Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. This year is our 25th anniversary as of ministry. It started out of the back of a pickup truck in Oakland, California, with the hopes of just reaching a community. And today we have a fleet of Mack trucks that crisscross America. We are now serving people all over the world. In 14 different countries, we have a feeding program for children. Every day, we're feeding 200,404 children. When Marshall, yes, give God praise for that. 80% of those children have accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. The other 20% are maybe they're just too young. They don't know yet about accepting the Lord. Or they're just brand new coming in our program. When Marcia and I started with Convoy nine years ago, almost 10 now, Convoy was feeding 18,000 children. In nine years, we've gone from 18,000 to over 200,000. Our prayer is Convoy's prayer, our president's prayer, uh, Hal Donaldson, our founder, that within four years we'll be feeding 400,000 children and in 10 years we'll be feeding a million children. That way we're able to see nations being transformed by the power of God. Last year we served in 39 natural disasters here at home and around the world. If you were to ask us how we were able to financially and materially do that, we would look at you and go, We don't know, except the same God that multiplied the fish is the same God that multiplies for convoy, which you are convoy. We work with the church on both sides. It's the church providing and the church we work with. And we're thrilled. I'm thrilled to have Marsha with us, uh, with me today. She travels with me almost everywhere I go. She is a writer. She is a speaker. She's a musician. Uh, She's a wonderful wife, (laughs) a great cook. I hope you can tell that. (laughs) But she has written a book called Prayer Dynamics that's literally changing lives across this nation. And I want her to come and talk to you just for a few minutes before I go into the Word of God. Good morning. It's awesome to be here. We miss your pastors. We're very close friends. But it's great to be with their children, and we love you guys, all of you spiritual children. We are so thankful for you, and God is on the move, and that's why I wanted to write this book. You know, when God does something in your life, you want to tell everybody, don't you? And my family and Bruce's family and our lives personally, we have seen God do so many miracles. We've seen so many amazing things, and we didn't, I didn't want to keep it to ourselves. I felt like other people need to know, and there are stories uh, galore in this book. They're short chapters. I'm a short chapter reader, and so that's why I said, Lord, help me to write a book like I would want to read. It's filled with encouragements to pray. Because when God does miracles, it makes you want to pray, doesn't it? It does me. And I want to talk to you about a word God gave me this morning for you. About miracles that you need. First, I want to share with you something that happened with me earlier to me earlier this year. We were at a district council in Tennessee. And there was a speaker that was speaking and he had a prophetic anointing. And as he would preach, then he would stop and just give a word to somebody. As he came by, Bruce and I, the Lord gave him a very amazing word for Bruce and for me. But here's the the part that is important for you to know. He knew nothing about the ministry I have weekly on Facebook. I send, I post a prayer based on two scriptures and ask people to pray for prodigals to come home. 
God brought our prodigal home, but I know what a painful journey it was. And that's why I have a heart for people who have prodigals. That man knew nothing, and this is what he said. He said, God said, none shall be lost. He said, begin to declare it in the house. This is the season of the return of the prodigal. Do you feel the presence of God? I do. I know it's the word of the Lord, and I want you to begin declaring it in your house and in this house. This is the season of the return. And now I want to talk to you about miracles just quickly in general. Everybody in this place could use a miracle. Would you say that's true in some area of your life? This is what the Lord spoke to me this morning about the Word becoming flesh. You see, the Word is planted in our lives. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it says, They heard the gospel also, but it did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. You see, when we hear the Word of God, we have to mix it with faith before it becomes effective in our lives. Let me bring you back to Mary. When Mary heard what the angel said, she said, how can this be? And the angel explained a little bit. And then he said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. You know what Mary said? She didn't say, I don't believe that. No, she said, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And when God gives you a word, you hold on to it. And you say, be it unto me according to your word. I receive that my prodigal is coming home. And my children shall be taught of the Lord, Isaiah 54 says. And great will be the peace of my children. Begin to declare that. Begin to mix your faith with the word of God. And as you do that, the Bible says that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see, don't let it lie dormant. Let it dwell in you richly. The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. They're ours. They're ours for the taking, but they've got to be mixed with faith, like Mary. And then there's this gestation period. You know, for Mary, it was nine months. And the Bible says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent Jesus. But God wasn't just speaking about the nine months that Mary carried Jesus. He was talking about all of those years that he was looking for the perfect time when Rome would have, would have one language and they would have a, a system of roads that the gospel could penetrate the world. You see, the fullness of time. God has a fullness of time for you. And if you are in that gestation period, you walk in faith. You know, for Abraham, it was till he reached 100 That's when Isaac was born. I don't know how long your gestation period is, but stand in faith because the fullness of time is coming. Let the word of God become flesh in your spirit and in your life and bring forth healing and miracles and everything God has promised you. Believe for it and know it's coming in Jesus' name. Amen. Give up Thank you, sweetie. Amen. Well, since you finish at 12, let's pray and go home. <laughs> oh. Guys, your pastors mean tremendous amounts to us. We've known them for years. Matter of fact, this is how long we've known them. We've known them when this church was in a storefront with four colored walls on either side. And... Um, Roaches were more than people, <laughs> and uh, we, we have loved Pastor George and Phyllis, and count them as close and dear friends, and your pastor is a rarity. I want you to know that. 
There is a statistic that tells us that those who are called leaders, let's just say a hundred thousand, I mean a hundred percent are called leaders, really only 80% of those are managers. They're not leaders. They're managing. Because it says 20% of all leaders actually have the capacity to cast vision. But of that same 100%, only 5%, even of the 20% 20 that cast vision, only 5% of the 100% can take a vision to the place of completion. You have a rare pastor. He is able not only to see vision, to lead in the vision, but to see the vision come to completion. I hope you understand the gift that God has given to you as a church and the gift that God has given to Decatur and to this region of the world because you have a pastor that hears from God and is willing to run the race (laughs) no matter the obstacle for the glory of God. Amen? Praise God. Amen. Give God glory. And then to have a young Isaac Hayes that stands up here with that deep voice. Oh, that. This is my beard. This is as much as it gets. But to have a. He looks good. He just looks, and he's got that voice that you go, wow. And he's got a face that it can be on TV and radio. <laughs> And Pastor Tony, thank you for being such a generous host. From the time we walked in till till now, thank you. And uh, they allowed us to have some food. Uh, You have a wonderful uh, guy that's a chef that cooks and prepares. I can't stay here long. I'll be even a more rounded minister uh, if I stay here much longer. But it it is delicious. This morning, as I was in the first service, I felt like God gave me a prophetic word picture. Wasn't a prophetic vision, just a word picture. Because we, we, we sang about revival. I'm all for revival, folks. I love a move of the Spirit of God. I, I never want to get that confused. Revival is what happens in the church. A sovereign move of God is what happens outside the church. Because revival is reviving us. Reviving us to be the men and women of God that God's called us to be. A sovereign move of God is touching people who have never known God. And bringing them to that place where they turn their hearts to the Lord. But in that word picture, the Lord spoke to me and said, there is a revival taking place in this world, but it's not a revival of my spirit. There's a revival of vanity going on in America. There are people more concerned about what is happening with the Kardashians than what is happening with the Spirit of God. Because it's all about vanity. It's all about what did J-Lo wear last night? Who cares? What person is seeing this person and how do they look on the red carpet? Vanity. There's a revival going on of spirits. Jack Daniels, Jim Bean, Adolph Coors. There was a reason that those things are called spirits. Because when they get into you, they create a spirit within you that is not God's spirit. There's a revival going on within our world today of greed. People will fight you over what pastor spoke about a while ago about tithing. God doesn't require me to tithe. And they'll also fight you over going out and buying a lottery ticket. It's called a revival of greed. 
And I think we need to begin to realize that until we get to the place, we want the revival of the Spirit of God. And not the revival of vanity, not the revival of false spirits, not the revival of greed, not the revival, you go down the line, of immoral sexual activity. We're never going to have the move of the Spirit of God in church. We have a revival going on of emotions. Individuals who would never show emotions in church will go to Jordan-Hare Stadium or Bryant-Denny Stadium and act like idiots. Or they will show up at the New Orleans Superdome and dress like something they would never want to be seen like outside the dome. And yet they're there screaming and yelling, but dare ask them to raise their hands in church. And they look like you, look at you as if something has gone wrong with your life. When you say, listen, the psalmist said, lift up your holy hands to the Lord. They say, oh no, we should not be emotional in church. There is a revival of emotions, but it's not for the kingdom of God. I'm not against football. I'm not against uh, going to a stadium. My son, who's a pastor, was at Bryant-Denny Stadium yesterday watching the game. That's something his wife has done now for several years, take him on his birthday or his birthday week to, to an Alabama game. And it's, I'm not against that. But what I'm saying, if we allow that to take the place of what God wants to do within our spirit, we are following another revival. That's not God's revival. Are you following me? This morning, my, my focus, my attention, as pastor asked me to come and speak, and that is to talk to you about missions. Your church is right now in this missions month where you're moving toward in the next couple of weeks toward what you're going to do in your kingdom builders giving. Folks, missions is one of the things that cause God's heart to beat. Because he called us in Matthew chapter 28, go <clears throat> into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say go into the Western world, go into the world called the United States of America. He says go into all the world. We used to refer early on in the Missions endeavor Africa as being the dark continent. But today in Africa, there's some countries there, they're seeing more people come to Christ than the birth rate is actually taking place. We are seeing revival in certain parts of Africa that rival the first century of people giving the uh, testimony and people literally being saved. Matter of fact, one uh, meeting with Reinhard Monkey, he gave the altar call and one million people gave their life to Jesus Christ in one country. The new darkened continent has become Europe. A country that once loved God, a country that once sent missionaries around the world, today has become a country filled with atheism, agnostics, and false religions. Within America, we better pay attention because it has been said, as Europe goes, so goes America. Folks, I'm here to tell you, I believe America, we need to begin to pray one more time. Bring us a move of your spirit. Bring a revival to our nation one more time, Lord. Father, one more time, bring a great awakening. You see, missions begins when you walk out of these church doors. That's your mission field. God may have not have called you to go somewhere else in the world, but he has called you right here. He's called you to that business. He's called you into that neighborhood. He's called you to that school. He's called you wherever you are to reach the loss. Several years ago, I would meet with three other pastors, and we were young, and basically we'd be together as iron sharpening iron. 
We would pray together. We would study scripture. Every Tuesday, we would get together and we would, we would uh, really be individual brothers in Christ, helping sharpen one another. We're all pastors, all young pastors. And I remember I was driving up to one of, my, one of the friend's churches. He was more in a rural area. And as I was driving up to his church, I drove by another church, and the sign said, we pay our pastor to do our ministry. I said, well, that's a unique sign. And so when I got in there, I, I, I was talking to uh, Jimmy, and I said, Jimmy, man, I saw this sign down the road. It said, we pay our pastor to do our ministry. I said, what do you think that's about? He said, well, that's in reference to my sermon I preached Sunday. I said, reference to your sermon? What did you preach Sunday? He said, I preached that God called me as part of the five-fold ministry to train up the people of God to do the work of the ministry. I said, well, that's biblical. He said, yeah, but they think what's biblical is that you hire a pastor to do the ministry and everybody else just gets to sit there. No, God's called every one of us to do the work of the ministry for the glory of God. That's the reason you are a missionary. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ when you walk out of this room. <clears throat> you can go anywhere in the world. Go to Sub-Sahara Africa. Middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden you'll find a little stand out there. Somebody will be serving a Coke. You can go into Moscow, Russia. You can find a Coke. You can go into uh, New York City. Now, because they passed the law, you've got to find a small Coke. Jumbo Cokes are outlawed, but you can find a small Coke. Anywhere you go, you can find a Coca-Cola. They are fulfilling their mission. But the church is not fulfilling its mission. There's 7 billion people on the planet Earth right now. It's growing exponentially. Of that 7 billion people, two-thirds do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Of that two-thirds, 2.9 billion people have never heard the name of Jesus Christ one time. I heard one minister say this who was a phenomenal pastor of a missions church and he made this statement. He said, what gives us the right in America to hear the gospel one more time when over half the people in the world at that time when he was preaching, over half the people in the world have never heard the name of Jesus one time. My answer, what gives us the right? It gives us the right because we're being trained to go and reach those people. If we're not being trained, if we're not taking that training and going and reaching the lost, we are not walking out what God's called us to do. A group of people got together to pray in a country called Argentina. And in that prayer time, they were praying, God, we need a revival in Argentina. We need a move of your spirit in Argentina. And one, one person came up with a great idea. Let's call this evangelist. He was known as the uh, Billy Graham of South America. Let's call this evangelist. Have him come. We feel like it would be a great idea. They called that evangelist, and the evangelist said, I agree with you. Argentina needs a move of God, but I'm not the man. I'm not coming. They began to pray, they began to pray, they began to pray and seek the heart of God. Missionaries were praying with all these pastors. They were crying out to God, crying out to God. And all of a sudden, one guy said, I just, I just had this name drop in my spirit. Last name, he called it out and he said, I think he's an evangelist in the United States. Let's call him. They said, well, none of us know him. He said, well, I don't know him either, but I just felt like that's what God dropped in my spirit. They said, okay. They called this guy and they said, would you come to Argentina? He said, sure. Went to Argentina. They began to talk. He said, what's the largest place we can get? They said, let's get a theater. He said, no, 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 what's larger than a theater? They said, well, let's get this place. He said, no, no, what's the largest place we can get? They said, well, the largest place we can get in all of Argentina is the soccer stadium. He said, let's get the soccer stadium. 
And they looked at him and they said, you don't, you don't realize, we can't even fill a, a, an arena with a thousand people. And you're wanting to get a soccer stadium that seats almost 80,000 people? He said, well, let's just trust God. They tried to get the soccer stadium. They said no. They told him, they said, the only way you could get the soccer stadium is the president of the country will agree to it. So the pastor and the missionary and the evangelist went to the president's home. Spoke to one of the guards and the guard said, I'm sorry, the president can't see you. He's just not taking any visitors. And as they were getting ready to walk away, all of a sudden the Lord gave the evangelist a prophetic word. And he turned to the man standing there. He said, somebody in your family is not well. Who is it? And the guard told him. He said, let's pray. And when you go home tonight, God will have done a healing. They stood there. They prayed. That night when that guard to the president went home, his family member was healed. The next day they arrived. They said, can we see the president? They said, the president's waiting to see you. What they did not know is that president had contacted a skin disease that he could hardly wear any type of clothing because of the irritation that would take place when his clothes would rub against him. He wore very baggy clothes to try and keep as much as he could off of his skin. They went in to see President Perón, and as they walked in, the president said, are you the people that prayed for my guard and his family member was healed? They said, yes. He said, then pray for me. They prayed for him immediately. His skin. Immediately, his skin was healed. He said, whatever you want, I will give it to you. He said, we, they said, we would like the soccer stadium. He said, it's yours. And at that moment... God began to prepare the hearts of the people of Argentina. And back at that time, whenever they were praying for this, Argentina could only put in less than a 1,000 people into one single church. But today, there is such a revival in Argentina taking place because somebody walked in faith as a missionary, as a pastor, as an evangelist, the work of the kingdom of God. And because of that, Argentina today is literally continuing to explode in revival. God can do it in our lives. Listen, if God can take a man who is breathing out threats against the church by the name of Saul and arrest him on the road to Damascus and bring him to the place of repentance and turn him around to become a voice for the kingdom of God and he went on three missionary journeys to preach the gospel throughout the Roman Empire, God can do a change in our world today. If Jesus can reach out to a centurion that said, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus spoke the word and his servant was healed. If Jesus can speak into a religious man's life named Nicodemus and that man be set free, Jesus can do the same in people's lives all over this area. You see, what God is doing right now what God is doing right now is literally transformational and we need to get on God's page. And I believe evangelism and missions and the church is God's page. What happens in the church of training up people to the work of evangelism and to the work of missions is on God's page. Years ago, God gave missionaries the opportunity to go into a heavily Muslim country. That country was called Iran. For a period of time, that country was overseen by the Shah. Gave a little bit of opportunity for religious freedom. And missionaries would go in there and preach the word. And there were a few people that got saved. There was not a large church that developed in Iran during that period of time. But there were a few people who got saved. There were a few people that gave their life to Christ. Then the Ayatollahs took over. The missionaries were kicked out. Men and women who had given their life to Jesus Christ became enemies of the state. One of them was named Bishop Hike. Bishop Hike, a friend of mine, heard him speak in Cyprus. 
He turned to his dad that was sitting beside him. He said, Dad, I have just literally heard a world changer. Bishop Hike and three other members of the ministry, ten years later, were beheaded and thrown into a shallow grave, martyred for the kingdom of God. At his funeral, 1,000 young men stood up and said, We will take their place. We will take their place. It started because a missionary planted the seed. This week, Fox News online ran an article, The Fastest Growing Church in the World. It's not a church built with human hands. It's not a church that has brick and mortar. But the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. Women are getting along with God and praying. And God's sending revival into Iran. God is doing such a transformation because of the seed that was planted by the missionaries. Because of seed planted by missionaries in China. We still don't know how many Christians are in China today. Because of seed planted by missionaries in Cuba. And I've been to Cuba. I was one of the uh, second group of people to go into Cuba when they allowed us to go in. And I was sitting there and I was placed under house arrest uh, for preaching the gospel, even though I had the paperwork. But I was under house arrest and I was able to go uh, and speak in another area. Uh, I couldn't preach. I, had, I could testify, but I couldn't preach. I said, no problem. Testify means you stood on the floor. Preaching means you stood on the platform. And so I stood on the floor and I testified. Fidel Castro, in 1959, he proclaimed, Cuba would never hear the name of Jesus Christ within 10 years. Jesus would be totally wiped out. There would be no church. 10 years later, there were still 55 Assembly of God churches. Every 10 years, he would proclaim, there will be no church. But you see, missionaries in the 1950s had implanted the seed that God can do something great. No matter what the conditions of the world, socialism, communism, capitalism, you name it, God can do it. And there, in that nation of Cuba, in 1987, these 55 pastors, along with some pastors from the conservative Baptist group, who were the only two groups that had not submitted to communism, they got alone together on the northern part of the island of Cuba, and they began to pray. And they said, God, we will neither eat, nor drink, nor sleep until we hear from you. In 1987, God began to pour into their lives. He began to speak to them. He said, I'm getting ready to bring revival. Here are the four stages of revival and how they're going to happen across this nation. It will not be like a wave that will sweep from one side to the other. It will be like a flame jumping from one to the other. Jumping from one to the other. 1987, there were 55 Assembly of God churches. When I got there in 1992, the church had grown to over 300 churches. Today, there are almost 30,000 preaching points and churches all over Cuba. And they're saying in Cuba that almost over 10% of the entire population are spirit-filled believers. Because in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And today you and I need to realize that Jesus, His name is above every name. I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. Because the Word of God says, at the name of Jesus, demons will have to flee. At the name of Jesus... Sickness has to come under the authority of Christ. Whenever I was in Calcutta, India, I'd gone and, and, and the church that I was going to be preaching at was uh, the church that Mark Montaigne had started. And I was there for a teaching time with some leadership. And then they took me to uh, the uh, crypt of Mother Teresa. And I, as I sat there and just sensed 
all that this woman had done and even look at the scriptures that she had based everything upon, which were all salvation scriptures. I just sensed the Spirit of God. I went to where one of the very first missionaries had come into India and started a church there and stood there in that church and just felt the presence of God in that place. Then I went to the temple of Kali, which is the God of everything that is evil. Every day they will sacrifice 300 goats. Blood will flow through the little area there. Then they have a place where people will go inside and they will pray to Kali to fill them with evil spirits. And I was standing there that day right outside where the, where the rock that is Kali, supposedly Kali, was at. And, I, and as I was standing there, people became very militant they began to cut themselves as if they were asking somehow that Kali would hear their prayers because of their willingness to cut themselves and a man walked up to me and he said uh, you have to leave I said why do I have to leave they said because whatever is in you is preventing them from receiving what they're asking for from Kali and I said well then shouldn't they want what's in me? When he pulled his gun, I realized that was the wrong question. (laughs) But listen to me. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. That's the reason we send out spirit-filled our baptized missionaries to go around the world. That's the reason you need to be spirit-filled and fire-baptized to go into Decatur so that God can use you. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. That's 1 John 4, 4. In the name of Jesus, captives are to be set free. Listen to me. In the name of Jesus, I don't care how wicked a person is, they can be set free. Some of you will not understand this illustration, but some of you will because of the age. (laughs) But back in the 80s when Ronald Reagan became president, we had a group of individuals that were held captive in Iran. It was the Iranian hostage crisis. It's when the Ayatollahs came in and took over and our embassy and many Americans were taken hostage. When Ronald Reagan became president, and he literally put the iron fist down, they released our hostages. The day that we saw on live television that plane landing, and those that had been held captive getting off that plane into freedom, all American was rejoicing. Folks, when one person accepts Jesus Christ, it says all heaven rejoices. All heaven rejoices when one person comes out of captivity because Jesus has said about himself in Luke 4, 18, it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Wow, that's fabulous. That I don't have to live in the captivity to this world. I don't have to live under depression or oppression. And I'm here to tell you, depression is a beast. I've walked it. I've walked the, the, the road of depression and I've watched God bring deliverance. But like I said, depression is a beast. It does nothing but try to destroy you and destroy you and destroy you. But Jesus said, I've come to the oppressed. I've come to set you free. How many of you know God is a God of freedom? There was a man in Port-au-Prince, not in Port-au-Prince, but outside of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, in the, in the mountains. When the massive earthquake, that 7.0 earthquake took place, the pass was covered. People could not go in and people could not go out. 
It was discovered by Pastor Carl, who pastor, who had pastored at Cascadia Chapel, was now working for Convoy of Hope, that there were people in the valley that were dying. He told three of his men, three of the Haitians said, come on, we're going to load up the car, load up the uh, SUV, then we're going to get donkeys and we're going to make our way across the pass. One of those friends of mine was a friend of mine, Kalo, and some others along with Pastor Carl. They got to where the pass was closed. They got the donkeys and they began to make their way up and literally it was so treacherous they all thought they were going to die several times because donkeys were losing their feeding, foot, uh, the ability to keep their uh, feet stable. They were losing their footing. They finally made it to the top of the pass, looked down and it was more treacherous going down but they finally made it. When they got to the village, the first man that met them was the witch doctor. He said, why are you here? He said, they said, we're here because we understand people are dying because there's no food and water. We've come to bring food and water. The next question stumped them. The witch doctor said, are you Christians? You see, in that area of the world, Christians had been killed over and over again because of voodoo practice. Pastor Carl began to wrestle. How, how does he answer this question? Finally, he said, yes, we are Christians. And the witch doctor said, then tell me about your Jesus. He said, why do you want me to tell you about my Jesus? He said, well, two years ago I was in Port-au-Prince and I was walking down the streets and there was this big tent and I heard music playing. So I stopped and I listened to this music. <laughs> he said, I like music and it, was, it sounded really good. So I stood there. Then after the music was over, somebody got up and started speaking and I don't want to hear nobody speak. So I started to leave. He said, and I heard these words, in the name of Jesus, miracles can take place. He said, that's all I remembered, and he said, I left. He said, when the earthquake took place, he said, I was outside walking toward my home. He said, when the earthquake happened, I couldn't stand. I literally was knocked to the ground. He said, I could hear people all around me dying as their houses were collapsing on top of them. Concrete cinder blocks concrete uh, uh, roofs that were falling on top of them. He said, I could hear people dying all around me. He said, I was so heartbroken. He said, then I looked up at the ho my house where I was getting ready to go and I saw my house swaying. And he said, I knew my wife and children were in there and I knew my, my wife and children were going to die. He said, I began to call out to the gods that I'd made sacrifice to that morning and my house continued to shake. He said, I saw cracks coming in it, so I knew the next thing that happened was my family was going to die. He said, all of a sudden, it came into my mind, those words that I heard that man say, in the name of Jesus, miracles going to happen. He said, I went, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He said, the earth was still shaking, but my wife, my family's house stopped shaking, and my family did not die. He said, my gods could not protect my family, but your God saved my family. Tell me about your Jesus. Pastor Carl led him to the Lord. Then over the next three days, the rest of the village, most of them came to the Lord. He told him, he said, when you come out of the, when you, when, when the pass is finally open, come to Cascadia Chapel in the city and we'll baptize you. Two weeks later, they were, uh, they were, uh, they were still feeding the 25,000 plus people uh, that was coming to Cascadia Chapel and Convoy of Hope and uh, one, somebody came to Pastor Carl and said, Pastor Carl, there's a large group of people outside wanting to talk to you. He walked outside and there stood the uh, former witch doctor and the entire village. He said, what are you doing here? They said, you told us to come be baptized when the pass was open. We're, we're here now. Cascade Chapel has a large outdoor baptism that's always full. Pastor Carl brought him over there. Baptized that former witch doctor. When he came up out of that water... He started praying in a language he had never learned. Pastor Carl had never taught him about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then everyone that went into that tank came up speaking in an unknown language. What's phenomenal about it, Pastor Carl's out of the Brethren movement. They don't believe in being Spirit-filled. Now, Pastor Carl does, but the Brethren don't. But God does. God does. That's the reason God needs fire-baptized, Holy Spirit-filled missionaries and people like you to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me end with this, and I've got a lot more, and I can...
Wow. Listen, those, these signs will accompany those. This is found in Matthew 28. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Whew. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The sick will be healed. The dead will be raised. The captive will be set free. But listen to what it says. And this replies to what you're going to be doing in two weeks. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not heard? And how are do they believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they here without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Are you a proclaimer of the good news? Then look down at your feet and go, hey, pretty boys, pretty girls. I don't consider my feet beautiful. Matter of fact, I think they're pretty ugly. But God says, you preach my word, you proclaim my word, you share my good news. I call them beautiful. Folks, if God calls them beautiful, let's call them beautiful. God calls you a chosen man and woman of God. He says, I have put my spirit, I have put my authority and my son in you. You can go out and preach the word and demons cannot stand against you. Let me finish with this one illustration. Marsh and I were listening to a gentleman who spoke at Ramo Bible College. He was a missionary in the Panama. And as a missionary in the Panama, he would take teams into rural areas, remote areas, and there they would go and preach the word. And they were taking a medical team along with an evangelism team into this very jungle, rural area. And they got there and when they got there, the missionary felt an uneasiness. He felt a demonic presence. Pastor came to him. He said, he said to the missionary, he said, we may have to cancel the meeting. He said, why? He said, because the witch doctor, the number one witch doctor in all of Panama is here. He said, really? We came up the river. We didn't see him. They said, no, 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 the witch doctor does not come like you come. The witch doctor just appears. He said, really? He said, yeah. Matter of fact, the witch doctor had commanded a snake to go into the uh, sleeping bag of one of the students to create fear that whenever she got bit by the snake, they would all have to leave. Well, the Lord spoke to the missionary's wife and said, the witch doctors commanded a snake to go in there take somebody and go and get that snake they went in there sure enough pulled the sleeping bag open and there was that poisonous snake next day the witch doctor was listening as the missionary's wife was talking to all the children and giving out little books of hope type things for the children he walked up and he said I'd like one of those books the missionary's wife knew who he was and went in her mind, no, I'm not going to give him this. Who knows what he's going to do with it? But the Spirit of the Lord checked her and said, give him the book. She gave him the book. The next day, the witch doctor shows up at the medical clinic. Which that meant the power that he had was not strong enough to take care of his physical needs. And he was standing before the doctor. And the doctor started talking to him and he said why are you here he said I'm here because I read that lady's book and I need Jesus the doctor started probing and it went deeper that night 
Jesus had appeared to that witch doctor and said, this is your final chance. Turn your life to me or your life is over. That witch doctor, along with that, with that um, physician, gave his life to Jesus. He started coming to the night rallies. When the week was over, they usually would give people the opportunity to testify. And the witch doctor, the former witch doctor walked up. He said, I want to testify. And normally they would say no because all the witch doctors knew was about evil. And the missionary got ready to say, no, we're not going to. And the Spirit of the Lord convicted him. He said, no, let him speak. That night, the, witch doctor got, the former witch doctor got up. He said, you all know me. You know who I am. You know what I was. He said, but the problem is you don't know who you are. He said, I was the most powerful witch doctor in all of Panama. He said, and whenever a believer comes into our midst, wherever we are, there is a loud voice that comes over us like a PA system and says, beware, a child of the Most High God is in your presence. He said, and the closer the believer gets to us, the louder the words, beware, the child of the Most High God is in your presence. And he said, when we finally see them, we see written in blood across their forehead the name of Jesus. He said, but the problem is most of you have no earthly idea. The power you walk in, you walk on by and never demonstrate the power of God that's in you. My friends, Decatur, Alabama needs the power of God that's in your life. Alabama needs the power of God that's in your life. The world needs the power of God that's in your life. I'm telling you today, we need to rise up as the children of the Most High God. And we need to send out missionaries and we need to be missionaries to our community and to our world for the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.